remarkable and, let me say at once, abominable woman, while telling the truth about the other two, whose memories were not similarly protected by religious awe. I let it be a dull book, recording merely such uncontroversial facts as, for example, that so-and-so married so-and-so, the daughter of such-and-such, who had this or that number of public honors to his credit, but not mentioning the political reasons for the marriage, nor the behind-scenes bargaining between the families. Or I would write that so-and-so died suddenly after eating a dish of African figs, but say nothing of poison, or to whose advantage the death proved to be, unless the facts were supported by a verdict of the criminal courts. I told no lies, but neither did I tell the truth in the sense that I mean to tell it here. When I consulted this book today in the Apollo Library on the Palatine Hill, to refresh my memory for certain particulars of date, I was interested to come across passages in the public chapters which I could have sworn I had written or dictated, the style was so peculiarly my own, and yet which I had no recollection of writing or dictating. If they were by Polybius, they were a wonderfully clever piece of mimicry. He had my other histories to study, I admit. But if they were really by myself, then my memory is even worse than my enemies declare it to be. Reading over what I have just put down, I see that I must be rather exciting than disarming suspicion. First, as to my sole authorship of what follows, next as to my integrity as an historian, and finally as to my memory for facts. But I shall let it stand. It is myself writing as I feel. And as the history proceeds, the reader will be the more ready to believe that I am hiding nothing so much being to my discredit. This is a confidential history. But who, it might be asked, are my confidants? My answer is, it is addressed to posterity. I don't mean my great-grandchildren or my great-great-grandchildren. I mean an extremely remote posterity. Yet my hope is that you, my eventual readers of a hundred generations ahead or more, will feel yourselves directly spoken to, as if by a contemporary, as often Herodotus and Thucydides long dead seem to speak to me. And why do I specify so extremely remote a posterity as that? I shall explain. I went to Cumi in Campania a little less than eighteen years ago, and visited the Sibyl in her cliff cavern on Mount Gaurus. There is always a Sibyl at Cumi, for when one dies her novice attendant succeeds. But they are not all equally famous. Some of them are never granted a prophecy by Apollo in all the long years of their service. Others prophesy indeed, but seem more inspired by Bacchus than by Apollo, the drunken nonsense they deliver, which has brought the oracle into discredit. Before the succession of Deiphobus, whom Augustus often consulted, and Amalthea, who is still alive and most famous, there had been a run of very poor Sibyls for nearly three hundred years. The cavern lies behind a pretty little Greek temple sacred to Apollo and Artemis. Cumi was an Aeolian Greek colony. There is an ancient gilt frieze above the portico ascribed to Daedalus, though this is patently absurd, for it is no older than five hundred years if as old as that and Daedalus lived at least eleven hundred years ago. It represents the story of Theseus and the Minotaur, whom he killed in the labyrinth of Crete. 
Before being permitted to visit the Sibyl, I had to sacrifice a bullock and a ewe there, to Apollo and Artemis respectively. It was cold December weather. The cavern was a terrifying place, hollowed out from the solid rock, the approach steep, tortuous, pitch dark, and full of bats. I went disguised, but the Sibyl knew me. It must have been my stammer that betrayed me. I stammered badly as a child, and though, by following the advice of specialists in elocution, I gradually learned to control my speech on set public occasions, yet on private and unpremeditated ones I am still, though less so than formerly, liable every now and then to trip nervously over my own tongue, which is what happened to me at Cumi. I came into the inner cavern, after groping painfully on all fours up the stairs, and saw the Sibyl, more like an ape than a woman, sitting on a chair in a cage that hung from the ceiling, her robes red and her unblinking eyes shining red in the single ray.